Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 69. This is Sports Debate Tuesday. That's my boy Bobby McGee. And the episode starts right now. Guess who's back? Back again. Guess who's back? I'm clean shaven. <laughs> Guess who's back? Mirror in the back. My boy's black. <laughs> That's a fact. That's half fact. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. All right. So, what's up, people? This is episode 69. <laughs> hey, thanks. He's funny. Episode 69. This is Sports Debate Tuesday along with my man Rob. Keep it. McLean, McLean, I'm your host with the most. I'm Jason DeBellis. What's good, Rob? First of all, before we get into all of this. What's good? What's good? Everything's great. Yep. Handling yours, right? Just like a real trigger yeah. should. <laughs> and if you do some time, homie, I'm still all good. So, hey, we got a little bit to talk about. You know, UFC was this weekend. It was almost a galley evening with the all-star cast of rock star, movie stars, um, icons, uh, important people, special people that showed up to the event. I think the gate was like 60 million, which is ridiculous. I mean, that, that has to be something, even for Vegas, that has to be something beyond compare. So we're going to talk a little bit about the UFC, of course, Conor McGregor. We got two topics for to shame or not to shame this week, uh, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, not just one. Um, of course, Got the Olympics coming up. Volleyball's our wheelhouse. <laughs> Rob's uncomfortable subject, but that's what I do. I make Rob uncomfortable every now and then. And he takes it like a man. But first things first. Rob, we go to the NBA. Rob, we go to the Greek Freak. Rob, we go to the Milwaukee Bucks finally winning their first finals game. This against the Suns, no less. Greek Freak, second game with 40 points. 40, uh, I mean, let's take a look at it <laughs> 40 13 and 6 not bad for 13 rebounds 6 6 whatever and we'll get into some of his percentages later but the question rob the debate question is are they back or are they still in trouble uh yeah so for me i think the bucks are still in trouble uh i think it's they're better off than being down 3-0 you know but uh at the end of the day they played their probably their best basketball um, uh, offensively. I've seen it in a long time. You know, nobody really were taking too many shots and, and missing too many shots. Drew Holiday had a great game, but they still won by 20 points. And, you know, the Suns are pretty, pretty in there with uh, Devin Booker scoring 10 points and Chris Paul not having a great game. So I don't expect to see that two games in a row, whether it's Devin Booker having a bad game or Chris Paul having a bad game. We've seen that before, even last series. Uh, when they both had tough games um, against the Clippers, they came back and they had a tough fall game, but they won. They handily won that game against a tough uh, playoff team. So um, the way I see it is this game four is for the series right now. Uh, if Phoenix can win this one game, one game on the road, they are going to win this series, You know, whether it's in seven, six, five, whatever. But they will win this series if they do not win this game. It's a toss-up. So I just think that the Bucks are as much in trouble as they were last game, but there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know. So good on them. Um, they got to play another fantastic game, but that's the type of basketball we wanted to see when we're talking about a defensive-minded Bucks team um, that's working on the fast break and has some good shooters around them. So that's what we want to see when we're talking about a finals game. So 
I think the Bucks still have a little bit of room to work, but they have uh, one game closer to uh, uh, evening up the series. You know, that's important. You know, Rob, it's weird because it's a weird question. I mean, I pose this question and, and, you know, we like to do a lot of stuff off script and I guess I'm going to answer it off script because I, th- I don't think, I mean, if our hand's forced to choose one or the other, it's difficult because both things are true. I think the Bucks are back and they're still in trouble. <laughs> I think that, that, I mean, I picked the Suns to win this four to one. I thought the Bucks were not going to get swept. I thought they were too good. But at the same time, where Styles make matchups and where I thought where even the Bucks were playing their best game, if the Suns were playing their best game, that might be a different story. This this is a 20-point victory, but I think we, it really ended that way when you're down by like 15 with a couple of minutes left. That's just how, how things kind of end. Um, the Suns, like you said, there's the, the biggest lurking variable is the Suns didn't play particularly well this game. I mean, they're a pretty decent three-point uh, shooting team. I think they shot 19 for 31 from from downtown. Um, the Bucks shot 14 for 36. You know, so that's not, you know, if you come to the game, you know, Middleton's a baller and, you know, they got some some sharpshooters. But at the end of the day, you 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 always think the Suns are going to shoot better from from the perimeter and outside. And, and I can only say if the Suns play another game like this and the Bucks play another game like this, like that. It can go. It can go four to two, but I'm still picking the Suns to win. Uh, I still think the. So I guess if I had to lean, if someone put a gun on my head to force one or the other, I gotta. I mean, on this debate show where we're looking for something to disagree on, where I agree with you, that they're they're in trouble. It took this this effort from Giannis, and it took for uh, this uh, the lack thereof for the Suns to have, for, for the, this game to happen. And if that happens one more time in this series, maybe I'm wrong about 4-2. Um, but I don't see the Suns performing this poorly four out of seven times. And I don't see the Bucks sustaining this performance four out of seven times. And and in order for them to win, both we both agree that both of those things have to happen four out of seven times, right? Yeah. I mean, also, you know, this is the first time they're in Milwaukee, you know, uh, not not ever, but they, they very rarely would play in Milwaukee, the Phoenix Suns. So, and, and Milwaukee is a very, very tough place to play in. So I Jesus. give them props. Did you see that party were, atmosphere? Right. You got, you know, but yeah, that's just, that's just what it is. It's just a, a different environment to play in. So we'll see how they adjust the next game. But again, they still have, even if they lose this next game, they still have three games to play their best basketball and two games coming at home. So uh, I don't see the Suns having much issue with, with where they're at right now. They just got to really hunker down and see if they could steal a game uh, on the road. Yeah, I see that. Um, big, hey, big uh, improvement at the free throw line for Giannis, right? 13 to 17 at 76 point something percent. Uh, at least off my head, that's that, that what it is. Actually, no, I look at the stat, 76.5. So <laughs> my math is good, Rob. Um what I didn't know about basketball, I guess I should have known, there's an actual 10 seconds to shoot the free throw. They don't mm-hmm. actually have a clock to count it. And and I guess the reason why I found out the hard way is he got a 10-second violation, And I think in last year's playoffs in the bubble, and that's when I picked it up. And I was like, really? Wow. I thought there was no time limit. You just shoot. And this is probably why, like, everyone keeps counting. You notice at the free throw, when he's at the oh, free yeah. throw line, you hear the crowd, um, at least the Phoenix crowd, yeah. counting up or whatever. And I guess that's it. So, 
But um, yeah, good effort by them. He had consecutive uh, 40 point double doubles, which only Shaquille O'Neal and LeBron James have had in the playoffs. Consecutive 40, 40 point double doubles, uh, both in which Shaq won and LeBron won. Um, he also has, um, I think there was a tweet sent out uh, by um, the NBA saying at least 30 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists through three quarters um, on ESPN, and only Shaquille O'Neal. And Michael Jordan and LeBron have done that. So and so he's like I think Kobe. So I think he's the fifth. And I believe all four of those people won. So, um, yeah, he's the, uh, he's been shooting fifty nine percent from the line at home this year. Not very good. You like that? No, I don't. You know, fifty percent on the road, and these are dwindling numbers because he's always been somewhere in the low sixties. And you don't you don't want your center. You don't want to hack a shack, right, in the playoffs. So you, you, I mean, the thing I've always liked about Giannis and that divides him from some of these other guys, these other big men, these dominant big men. And I, I hate using the word dominant big men, where big men can't hit the the freaking free throws, and mm-hmm. and that's it, the free throws, right? I mean, this is why Kareem should be in this ahead in this conversation above all these guys. He, the man, hit his free throws, especially in the mm-hmm. playoffs. Shaquille O'Neal, one of the worst free throw shooters. I think his free throw percentage goes up in the playoffs, maybe five points, you know, and this and that. So, so I don't know. So who wins? Who wins? Um, who wins tonight? This is um, this is our Tuesday episode. So who? Um, I got the Suns tonight. Yeah, yeah I got the too. Suns for sure. And then. Back in deep, and that's why I said they're in trouble because I think the I think Suns are going to win. And three one is 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 the very uh, the cl- the textbook definition of deep doo doo. <laughs> right, but and like I always go like this: like I want the Bucks to win because I think this could be a great series, you know. And I would love to see where the Suns could get pushed to. But at the end of the day, I still think even if it goes to seven, the Suns are going to pull it out. Yeah. So. Before we move on to our next subject, one more question has. Has the injuries for these star and these these key players or these players that that supposedly move the, the NBA needle? Um, have the injury had the injuries made the playoffs more exciting? Or do you think just people oh, just absolutely? Miss those guys? But I don't want to. I, I wouldn't want to. It may, it's made it more exciting. It's like double edged sword. It's made it more exciting, but it's not something that you can continue to do. You can't build your league on superstars, and then when the time comes that. You know they're there to perform and to make the most money for everyone because and the NBA makes the most money in the playoffs. You know you could say what you want about the season, but they make all that money in the playoffs. So mm. you want those star players to be there involved with those top teams at the end. So um, has it made it more exciting? Yes, but for the average fan, you know, for the for the for the you know the diehard, the person who's really there each and every day, you know, they want to see great basketball, sure, but also the great players play great basketball. So. I just feel it's not something that's sustainable. You know, they have to figure out a way to keep uh, their best players on the court and have, you know, that young talent come up. And then, hey, if you need to expand and make another team or start packing teams down the G League, that's a good problem to have. But a bad problem to have is having your superstar players getting injured and then all your club's money that you put to them goes nowhere. Hmm. So that, that's that's a bad problem to have. The good problem is too much talent around and the league can make the league can make that happen. You know? I agree. Yep. Well said, Rob. I had so much to say after that, but for some reason, you hit a point, and, and boom, we leaving it at that, and we move on. We'll revisit that in a quick question, but for now, let's move on to mixed martial arts, okay? UFC 264, highly anticipated. Um, I, as, a, as an MMA purist, did not 
let that dismiss the fact that there were pretty a uh, few pretty good fight nights and you know leading up to and uh, particularly at the main event so i really enjoyed those going all the way up to this built-up moment it was hyped and i thought it lived up to the hype even though the ending was not a lot of what a lot of people wanted right so so rob we move on to mixed martial arts we move on to the usc 264 dustin poirier the diamond the diamond in the rough if you will Defeated, he's the number one contender right now. Defeated number five contender, Conor McGregor via TKO via doctor stoppage. So after the match, there was still some bad, bad blood that brings new meaning to the term personal, and we'll revisit that on to shame or not to shame. But let's get to the actual logistics of matchmaking. Rob, will there be a fourth match with Conor McGregor? And if not, right away what's next for conor mcgregor and what's next for dustin poirier you know i, I had a I, I, like an idea of what i was going to say at first but now that i think about it i, I really don't think there's going to be a fourth match um how that the second match ended how this one's ending um i just really don't feel like there's that much push for it anymore you know they were kind of this is like the tail end of that you know bad blood i think you know, as a as a Connor fan, when he first came in, I think everybody's just kind of getting tired of the antics. You know, you have to perform at your very best every time and to dominate people to be able to do the things that he was doing earlier on. And I think he's just not, you know, he's just not at his peak as his best, whether it's physically or mentally. Um, and so it's just disappointing to watch. So I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to see a fourth match. I think that Connor needs to start working his way back up the rankings and fighting other fighters, not just picking the fights that he feels that he has a better chance at, or he creates uh, some sort of clout by, you know, talking bad about somebody, you know, he needs to start getting back into the game the right, the right way. Um, because it shows, you know, he's not really, he's not a high level fighter anymore. You know, he might have high level moments, but he's not a high level fighter. Um, and so, I don't think there should be a fourth fight. And I think moving forward, you know, Connor's got to start, you know, picking off some of the young guys and working his way back up. And uh, Dustin, man, I mean, hey, who wouldn't want to see Dustin and, and, and Oliveira? I think that would be a, a wonderful, you know, nice, easy little matchup. And I love this division right now because Oliveira has all these guys just sitting there and ready to fight. Um, maybe not championship material, maybe not that peak championship material, whether it's Gagey, Poirier, um, you know, all these guys that are sitting there, but, um, yeah, it's a nice division for, for the champion to start picking off some guys. So I'm ready to see that. So who's next for Connor before I go? <sighs> I don't know, man. I think he's got to work on his foot first, but, uh, I think Diaz waits around for that one. Maybe. I don't know, man. Maybe Connor retires. Maybe Connor's done after this. No, that's a serious injury. <laughs> oh, serious man. Injury. I guess before I say what I'm going to say, right, uh, uh, I'll start by staying, saying what you finished. Uh, his injury notwithstanding, it's really hard to get out of bed when you have $100 million. <laughs> just, it just, you know, it's just, it's just, I mean, we'll be, we'll be training volleyball, yes, for fun, right? We're bringing a film crew, a couple of drones. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> McKibbins, we love you, so we're not saying nothing about that. All right, just so don't don't be so sensitive. So, um, all right. So now I'll start saying by what I'm saying. There are three kinds of Connor fans. There are there's the casuals that are like, oh my god, this guy talks the game and backs it up. There are um, people who 
watch other sports, but watch the UFC that knows that him winning is good for the sport and, and then moves the needle. And then there's this group of diehards that that if Connor like shit on someone's head and punched the old dude in the face, they they still they defend him tooth and nail. They'll be like the old guy deserved it or what the old guy do. And those are the ones, oh my God, I wish I didn't have to freaking deal with because if I were a guy who's been watching MMA as long as I, I have, and I would say around 17 years, pretty much since Tough One. Tough One got me engaged. Then I started watching retrospective act matches, um, you know, the, the Gracie's UFC One or whatever. Um, I was saying the whole time, when he moves to 155, he's going to have a problem. He's going to run into fighters whose who's reach advantage is almost his. And and you know more than anyone, Rob. It's not how long your arms are, your wingspan is, but but if you can use it, if you know how to use it. Connor knows how to use it. He has, He's yeah. five foot nine with a 6'2 wingspan. And I knew you faced Chad Mendez, 60 to, 67 inches to 74. Uh, Jose Aldo, 68 inches to 74. You like that? Nah, I don't like that either, you know? And the only fighters who have actually given him problems are fighters that are left-handed. It's Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier. And fighters whose reach a wingspan qualify as close enough. Khabib's is 70, right? And um, Dustin Poirier is 70. And Nate Diaz is 76, so... Um, so I do want Connor to fight. I want him to fight Nate Diaz. They will never, ever give him Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson right now just lost two in a row and he's chomping at the bit and he, uh, he would, he would walk through fire to have that match for McGregor. Cause then, and I, I'd like them to fight McGregor cause I want, I want Fergie to have the payday. You know, as far as Fergie won 11 matches in a row before he lost those two. Okay. Um, Connor doesn't want those matches. He wants he wants Ferguson as the lowest ranked fighter. Maybe he wants Gaethje because he knows Gaethje is one to stand and not and not want to wrestle him. So I would like to see him fight Justin Gaethje, Chandler. That, that's not that might not happen either because Chandler's wrestling is ridiculous. Or Diaz. Mm-hmm. Now Dustin Poirier, there's only one fight to make here, and that's Charles Oliveira. The fans want to, want that fight. Um, the UFC wants that fight, the casuals. And the casuals, if Connor gave a shit about anybody but himself, he should have been like, you, Dustin deserved this. Guys, watch that match. Watch that match because I'll be back and I'll want to fight the winner of that. So he, 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 right. he could have put himself in a situation where he could still make it about himself and still put the UFC up. You know, but he didn't do that. And and the problem is when you have this one man investment and the one man don't feel like fighting, then the whole company is is prisoner to that one man. And Rob, you know, we've and I, I know I'm going a little long here and I'm sorry about that, but we've seen that he won the title at 145, jumped the line. Right, fought Eddie Alvarez, who's who's by the way, whose whose wingspan is also 68 inches. So right champion, right time. You know what I'm saying? And won. By the way, his only win at 155, okay? He split with Nate Diaz at 170. He fought Donald Cerrone at 170. So his three losses are Khabib by mauling. I won't even call that by submission. By mauling, okay? Because Khabib has this way of making you give up before two rounds before you tap out and say uncle. Um, Dustin Poirier, who ate his best shots, and came and, and gave and, and pieced him up at the uh, in the second round, and Poirier again, where I don't know if the ankle was was fractured by the check kick, even though 
that that kick if you remember did they show you the replay the kick hit the patella man that's nasty that's nasty when you're you're when you go shin to patella he was kicking too mm-hmm. high to begin with he was trying to imitate dustin poirier and dustin poirier was doing calf kicks and that's different because right. that calf kicks man that just cuts off you can't feel your foot if you get kicked by one or two of those the right way so so for connor he's got more matches because one way or another, everyone's still going to pay to see him fight. He's lost three in a row, but he's still box office. He's still, he's still the, bis- the biggest attraction. He could fight actor Jeremy Piven, all right? And I'm like, okay, just make sure Piven doesn't win. All right? So, so um, yeah. So, next matchup for me, Poirier versus Oliveira. And I'd love to see Connor versus Tony. But if they're looking for box office, go to Gaethje. Because Gaethje has won fighter than... Gaethje has only fought, I think, five times in the UFC and has won seven bonuses. He's won seven bonuses in five fights. That's box office. So, um, yeah, he does the most. What was your favorite uh, match in the prelims of the main card? Actually, I want to put the main card up first. Mine is a prelim, but I'm only putting the main card up because I have a feeling I know what yours is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mine has to be O'Malley. That was just like the, the, the most technical beatdown of somebody. And again, that guy might not be on his on his level, but right. you know, he took more beatings the best way um, that I've seen from, from, from a lot of people. Like, he was straight up walking through a lot of things still. I just would love to have seen what he would do if he would throw a bit more. You know, I think he kind of was trying mm-hmm. to test O'Malley in the beginning and didn't really test him after, but... uh you know, uh, definitely a warrior, that guy. But, man, I, I've never seen somebody's face look one way before a fight and then literally look something completely different. Only after. in the it movies, literally looked man. like he aged. It looked like he aged. Only in the movies, like dude. Aged. Only in the Rocky movies, like against Drago, against, like, Apollo Creed, that second fight where he's just... Remember the one-two, 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 and he's just leading with his face? Uh, that That's something you only see in movies. That was crazy. So my favorite fight, and of course I'm a prisoner of the moment, and and it's still under everybody's radar. This guy right here, Carlos Condit, decision loss to Max Griffin. Now, um, I don't think he's he's still far removed from like any championship picture. And this is again, this is not a win, this is a loss. But I'm glad that he showed that he could get in there, he could still scrap. Max Griffin hits really, really hard, and he, and he ate some shots. So, so a lot of people thought that he's he's past his prime, and maybe he is. But I think for the fighters that still want to fight, you want to make sure they don't get hurt. And I and I like that he he was in there. And I, and if you for those of you that are new to the UFC or new to MMA, man, watch some of it. Watch his match against Robbie Lawler. That was like match of the year, a five-round uh, fight with Robbie Lawler where that could have went other way. Watch some of his fights in the, in uh, WEC. You know, watch his fight with um, uh, Nick Diaz, highly technical five-round match. Um, at the time, he's 34 and 14, 32 and 14. 29 of his 32 wins are stoppages. So, I mean, if he gets a decision, give him a – I mean, get, come on, give the guy a break. <laughs> give the guy a pass, all right? So – so hey, good event. Looking looking forward to the next one. You know, we got a whole bunch yeah. coming up in the end of July. I think three shows in a row. So all right. So let's move on to beach volleyball. And why are we doing this? We're doing this because it's our wheel. House. <laughs> um all right. So we have the Olympics around the corner, but we have one big tournament, a four star, which is like a de facto five star in Stad, Switzerland. Uh, the winners were De Groot, um, the, uh, the 
were they the Netherlands? De Gruden? Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, the Dutch actually beat Qatar in the finals. Qatar actually beat uh, the Russians, uh, uh, Stoyanovsky and Karishnikov. So big, big win for them. And the women's finals were all finals. Agatha and Duda against Rebecca and Anna Patricia. And the Canadian salvaged the, the bronze beating our, our girl, <laughs> Tina Gradina and um, Anastasia from Latvia, who are also going to the Olympics. So, Rob, the question is, seeing this tournament going to the Olympics, have you seen anything that might change going into the Olympics? So what have you seen that that's that might change going to the Olympics based on this tournament? And what have you seen that that in your estimation that's, that's going to stay the same? I'll go first. All right. Here's sure, what I see sure. that stays the same. Qatar, Qatar is still a, um, a medal round contender. Qatar, Qatar is still going to be there at the end. Qatar, uh, a big, big win over the Russians. And you know they played Mullinsorum tough to the belt. They two of the, I mean, one of those matches were uh, two-point losses, I think 22-20, 21-19. And they're figuring people out as we go. And their they're training regiment is, is private. They're not doing a lot of training groups. And they stay the same. Uh, what's changed is for me is that the women, where it seemed like a two-horse race with the Canadians and the Americans, right, one and one A, the Brazilians reminded everybody exactly who the hell they were. Who the hell do we think we are? This is who we think we are. Agatha and Dudu, I'm telling you, Duda, Duda is not Dudu, okay? Uh, Rebecca, that girl gets some rice, gets some sushi. She's happy. She's stuffed. The other girl's longer and leaner. Uh, um and that was an all Brazil finals, and none of us would be surprised to see an all Brazil finals coming to. Um, what's also changed is that uh, Latvia shows them that showed everybody that winning the, their their style of playing uh, is not a fluke. They they show that they're just as good as everybody else. They belong on the map, and everything they've done is preparation to the Olympics. So there's my stay the same, the Qatar, Malinsorum showed that they're a little bit vulnerable. Uh, um, when they when they do when they're not playing their best game. So in other words, they can't cruise. I thought a year or two years ago, I thought they can cruise and win, but not they showed everybody they can't. So, so that's to me that's what stayed the same. That's what's changed. Rob, the floor is yours, my man. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't um, go too far off that sediment. I think that um, the biggest change for me would be the women's. Is that um, I think it's wide open. You know, I think this is going to be one of the more exciting events probably at the Olympics where you got maybe 14, you know, 10 teams that really could make a, a run at a medal. Um, and that means there's going to be two or three per pool that there's going to be some amazing games in that first round. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I couldn't even tell you who's going to be. I think, you know, it's going to be one of those three teams, you know, one of the, uh, American, Brazilian, and Canadian teams, but I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, it's up in the air. How about the Aussies, a, right? Yeah, I, whether yeah, Australians. You know, you have uh, the 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 Swiss, the Swiss. You have uh, Kolomina, um, the Russians. Yeah, the Russians. Yeah, you know, you have Latvia. You know, right there. You know, Hungary ready. You have the American team, the young American team. You know, you have a lot Slays. of, and I haven't even mentioned a lot of teams that have been. Very, very successful. You know, that Spanish team that we were talking about earlier. Um, there's a lot of teams. Czech that, team is well um, coached. Very well coached. You know, so 
I just think that it's wide open. Now talking about the men's, I think it's a little bit more uh, structured where, you know, Mo and Sorm, you know, they're in the winter seat. You know, if they just play their best ball, they're going to be, they really only got five matches till the end, you know, <laughs> after the, the pool play. And then, uh, yeah, I think from there out, it's just going to be a dogfight. Um, you know, you got these, you know, old, you got the older teams, you got some younger teams. Um, and over this last year, I think the men's especially, the game has just exploded to something different. So uh, is it going to be, a, you know, a loosely refereed game and you're going to see a lot of jump sets? You know, are they going to keep, is everybody going to kind of be a little bit more technical and, and, and try to side out at a higher percentage? Uh, we really don't know, you know. Um, most of the tournaments we've been seeing, even our, uh, you know, Cancun was one of the biggest uh, chance for all those teams to see each other. And that was on deep sand, which we might not see a lot of deep sand play. Swirly so, wind, yeah. Yeah, or that type of wind, you know. So I think it's just a, a big toss up, you know, when it comes to the men's. Um, the women's, a little bit more, uh, everybody being competitive. The men, I think it's going to be a couple of upsets here and there. And then you're going to have some big teams playing each other a lot earlier in that round of 16 than you expect. Um, you know, it's going to be a fun Olympics. It is going to be a fun Olympics. I think the refs, as far as the ref looseness is concerned, I think the refs already have this unofficial agreement. If your hands are high, they'll forgive spin a little bit. You know, if you to so if your hands are high, they'll call a double as a double. If you take it low and up, not then it has to be spinless. Then it has to be immaculate. So I think you're going to see them judge spin about how the how how it's supposed to be done. How the ball comes yeah. in. You know, because a lot of people in the South Bay think it's how you how it comes out, because they spent ten years learning how to catch and throw a ball, and you know, and they and I'm not trying to sound all disrespectful. Calm down, okay? You spent ten years learning how to do it that way. That's your way, and that's how that's how the leagues you play in mediate the rules. But I think as far as the people think, there's only one way to set the ball. Really needs to get over themselves, really, and take a take a trip, take a trip somewhere, get over yourself. You know, you 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 know I'm. <laughs> I don't need, I'm just going to say it a third time <laughs> and leave it at that. Get over yourselves, you know? So really excited about the men's. I do I expect to see the Russians at the end. Um, the Czech team, you said, had one of the best five coaches in the world for the women. You know, you just never know, man. The women's my wife. I, I, are, are you more excited about the women than the men or is it just an equal thing or am I just a prisoner of the moment, you know? I'm much more excited about the women than the men, but I think the men's game for me is more exciting. Uh yeah just because I, I play that game, but I competition wise talking about like, who's going to play who and like the type, like how the game, like how tight the games are going to be and the competition and the effort and the hustle and all that is mm. going to be, sometimes it doesn't show up in the men's game a little on the earlier games, unless it's absolutely necessary. But when you're in that count, when you got to get out of pool, you know, you're playing third set games, you know, when I think that's going to happen a lot on the women's, in the women's circuit. So, yeah. The men, the men might be a little bit more two O's, two O's here and there. So, it's crazy because for the women, you wouldn't be surprised to see because it's so open. You know, for the men, you would be surprised to not see Mullen Sorum in the final four or the finals. Right. That that would be oh. a surprise. That would be a monumental upset. It wouldn't be crazy to, to actually see Team Slays face the Americans in the semis or the finals, depending on how the pool situation goes or whatever. So very, very excited about that. And I'm glad we talked about it because I think the next time we meet up, we're going to be talking about the Olympics when it's over. We got a lot of uh, uh, we got a lot of stuff to do, and I'm, and I'm pr definitely going to try to podcast on a road just, just trying to figure out the logistics. I mean, Rob, I'm I'm a freaking moron when it comes to this, this, this 
technical stuff. This is why we miss Miranda. All right. No so that wraps up the Olympics. That wraps up beach volleyball for now. Big up to the Wapaka winners. Sorry about that. Um, big up to Evan Corey, Logan Weber. It's another gold series under their belt. And good luck. Um, and Logan Weber, you need to get your behind on the podcast, okay? Because you knew me three years ago. You better know me now, boy. Okay, I'm gonna be. We're gonna settle up. Um, Kristen Nuss, Taryn Cloth, they were my pick to win the whole thing. And if and if you don't know, now you know. They just keep on winning. They just keep on trucking. So congratulations to them. And those three bad mother mofo's, man. That one grass threes, uh, Micah Maha. And the Worsleys, man, just just first the Pottstown Rumble, then this. So big up on the regional scene. And I hope to see many, if not all of you, in Atlantic City. But for now, our favorite subject, or my favorite subject. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you to shame or not to shame. 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 Okay, let's do that. Let's stop our clock. Let's push A. And we are in the house. What's up, Bobby McGee? There it is. What's up? Hey, Bob, we got two to shame or not to shames, okay? We got 60 seconds, a whole minute each. So let's use it. To shame or not to shame. Conor McGregor's antics before and after the match at UFC 264. Is that shame or is that part of the game? The floor is yours, Rob. Yeah. Um, so, and I was saying this before, but, uh, you know, originally, you know, those antics are okay because you feel like that's an ex- uh, an extension of his character, you know, and one doesn't come without the other. And uh, that could be forgive if he's, you know, you know, does an amazing thing, you know, in front of us that we all want to see. Uh, but at the end of the day now, uh, he's using it almost as like a, as a tool to get more opportunities and I I just don't like it. So, um, yeah, I just feel like if he would focus on fighting, he's such a talented fighter. He would be able to, um, you know, kind of break the evolution of where the game is right now, because basically all it is, is just stand up, kick each other in the leg. And then if you can't do that, take the guy down and see if you're good at uh, I really don't see a lot of high level stand up. So I do agree with him where he needs, he has the, 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 the perfect ticket to be able to, to be able to be the best uh, UFC fighter possibly all time. But he really just, his career went off because he got successful in boxing. So unfortunately, yeah, he's just uh, using these things the wrong way. And I wish he would just get back to fighting the sport the way it needs to be fought. But yeah. great up to Dustin doing things the right way and, uh, yeah. and getting the real the real victory. Big up to him. Yep. Hey, Rob, I got to go shame and I'll tell you why. All right. Everything you said, the, some of the antics are part of the game. I get that. But talking about someone changing camps, that's part of the game. Talking about how someone sucks, that's part of the game. Talking about, you know, how someone loses their lifestyle, their fat, their way to eat. Uh, there are certain things where uh, where it seems like everything is free game. But when you start talking about people's wives, right, you start talking about people's religion, you start talking about people's thing, and then you say like the, his supporters, especially his supporters, say that's part of the game. If you can't take it, don't be in the fight and this and that. Now, at the same time, if that's part of the game, if someone wants to be a sore winner about it, and I don't, and I hate sore winners. I live in California. Trust me, I know a sore winner when I see one. But 
If somebody wants to put a little extra sauce on the end of it because you were being an idiot, you can't play the victim. You can't play the victim. You can't do this and say it's part of the game and then play the victim when it comes back to you and literally bites you on the ankle in this in Conor McGregor's case. So that's my sentiments and thoughts on that. Rob, uh, topic two, to shame or not to shame. Having Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, Teddy Atlas, and Ryan Clark as analysts and table people for USC 264. Um, Rob, to shame or part of the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's shameful, but if those are the two choices, then I'd probably go shame because, um, you know, Teddy, Teddy Atlas, one of my favorite boxing analysts, but he's a boxing analyst. You know, Stephen A. Smith is a, is a TV personality. You know, Max Kellerman is the same, uh, also a boxing somewhat analyst, somewhat enthusiast, but more of a, a boxing announcer. And then you have Ryan Clark, who's a, an ex football player. These guys know absolutely nothing about MMA. And I'm not saying I know anything about MMA, but what are they going to give me? You know, you got every – you look at, you know, um, the football channel. They got ex-football players or people that are talking about football. You got, you know, football – NFL Live. You don't see an MMA, MMA fighter on, you know, NFL Live, you know, maybe as a guest, but not as an analyst. So that's just absolute shame that they couldn't garner up some other, you know, analyst that knew something. I mean, just get four fighters – out of the free that have just fought, that'll be a better analyst than these than these four guys. No offense, but all they could talk about is mentality and, and, and things that are similar to their sport. They cannot talk about this sport at a high level. Nice. Rob, me, I gotta go with like you, I think it's like you said, if I had to actually choose one or the other, uh, because both are true, but for you for me, I gotta go shame. I gotta go shame because look. Stephen A. Smith is a TV personality, and he has a huge, huge following. Max Kellerman, also a TV personality, huge, huge following. Teddy Atlas is to be respected. Ryan Clark uh, is no longer an NFL guy, in my opinion. He's an NFL analyst, but the key, the operative word is still NFL, all right? You know, I mean, look, when you have the first take, and they talk about base basketball, you know, they're going to have Kendrick Perkins. They're going to have Big Perk on the show. They're going to have Swagoo for, you know, when they talk about the Dallas Cowboys. When you're talking about MMA and you're in, on first take or, or some of these shows, why not have Chael Sonnen? Why not have Gilbert Melendez? Why not have Daniel Cormier, who's an excellent personality? As far as like a, a guy that doesn't fight, why not have Errol Hawani, who, who's not one of my favorite guys, but he always tells the truth. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of a weasel a little bit to me. But um, I, I'm like, why am I listening to Stephen A. Smith and not Errol Hawani. Why am I not listening to, to why am I listening to Ryan Clark, who I, who I respect? You know, I mean, he did talk about mentality, and and I mean, if they ask him, he's not going to pick up the phone and say no. He's going to pick up the phone and say yes. But I thought the ESPN dropped the ball on this because I knew they were trying to bring as many heads to this fight as they could. But something that they failed to realize is that Connor was bringing the heads on their own. Celebrities were not at that match to watch Stephen A. Smith talk about it. Celebrities didn't come, didn't pay. That gate didn't didn't sell for like six sixty point seven million. All right, uh, um, because they knew that Stephen A. or Max Kellerman or Teddy Atlas were going to talk about it. You could have got some, given some MMA guys a chance to shine. Those guys shine under Connor's, you know, rising tide that lifts all ships. Then all of a sudden, people are going to watch them talk about volleyball. I mean. 
MMA or are going to want to watch future matches that may not be Conor McGregor. So um, it didn't hurt ESPN, but it did hurt MMA a little bit to not have some of their guys in. Okay, good. You had, you had Dominic Cruz. You had Daniel Cormier. Good. You're supposed to have those people. Where was Chael Sonnen? If they, were, if they weren't a personality, where the hell was Chael Sonnen? Where was Ariel Hawani? You know, where was, um, uh, um, thank God, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's like the exception that rewrites the rule. Joe Rogan the, the, is a color analyst that has never set foot in the cage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is why when everybody's... Yeah. Hmm? But he trains a lot. Yeah. And he trains around a lot of fighters. Mm -hmm. And he's around that environment a lot. And again, that's... I'm not saying that that's not... Mm -hmm. at least At least that. At least that. Yeah. You know, at least somebody who can talk about what jujitsu. Like, if it goes to the ground, what are those any of those four guys going to talk about? Cormier is always know. says he gets an education from Joe. <laughs> you know, when they, right. when they talk about that. I mean, I think it's the same thing with me in volleyball. Like, we, you know, I said I, I think I could be the Joe Roganist or whatever. It's not because I've won an AVP and not because, you know, I've never set foot on the sand, though I did. 2016, I played him in the Manhattan Open. There's, there's a person in the situation like, is this guy the best guy for the job or not? Is this guy the best job for the guy or not? Or not? And, and they said yes to Joe, you know, uh, because it's true. And and, I, and the only reason why I bring him up because I think more sports need to, to do that instead of just going with the guy who has a journalism degree for play-by-play -play and going with the guy who can, can only see the sport as a pure player or, you know, or, or someone that's in, I mean, I think it's fine. I don't think you lose with those, but they're levels. It's just like a good coach, right? Like a player who retires that turns into a coach. They're never going to hurt mm -hmm. your game. There's just levels to how much how much they can help. Can they help this Absolutely. much? Or can they help that much? And that's, and I guess that's to quote Forrest Gump. That's all I want to say about that. <laughs> and we move on to our next topic. Quick question. Quick question. The note that um karaoke's back, mm -hmm. Rob. Rob, quick question. Oof, should Herb Dean have stopped doing Molly's fight against um Martino? Earlier? Hard to say, but uh I say no, just because it's hard to know. It's really hard to know. Um, I say no, he stopped the fight exactly when he was supposed to. You know? So to anyone that thought it was an early stoppage, no. To anyone that thought it was too late, no. He stopped the fight. The best guy in the business. Of course, he makes mistakes. I get that. But I thought he did really well. Quick question. Two of us is KO of Greg Hardy. Uh, drink, drinking, the sh doing the shoey. Thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> That's got to be the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Do your thing. Do your thing. I guess. Yes, you're right. Come on. I'm such a hater. Hater Jay, man, in the house. Um, quick question. The All-Star Games today, Major League Baseball. Who wins? National League or American League? Uh, National League. I go American. I go American. Uh, quick question. Which NBA finalist has the better starting five? The Bucks or the Suns? Starting five, uh, I'll go Bucks. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, go Suns. I'll go Suns, and it's crazy because they both have a good bench. So, yeah. Um, quick question: Will Djokovic break Federer or Nadal's record for most Grand Slams? Right now, he's tied them with a win at Wimbledon. Definitely. I think he breaks yeah. it as, as early as the U.S. Open. I think he's on a roll, man. Uh, quick yeah. question: Can Serena win another Grand Slam before she retires? 
Uh, yes. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a while. <laughs> I say no. And Ser- I say no. And Serena, I'm not, I apologize. I'm not trying to be one of them doubters. I will be that. I would be happy to be wrong about this one. But, but for now, I say no. Um, quick question. Nigeria beats the U.S. national team. Are they in trouble or just or just just warming up? Uh, yeah, they're in trouble. It's always bad when that happens. I think they're in trouble, too, because everybody's saying the NBA doesn't need to send their best to win the Olympics, and clearly we're wrong about that. We made that mistake in 2004, and if we don't learn from history, history will repeat itself. Um, that was the, the other quick question. Do we need our very best to win gold? Yes or no? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, very best of who's going to show. You know, yeah. There's a lot of injured players out there right now. And last quick question, uh, Tyron Woodley against Paul. Oh, man. Um, probably, yeah, I mean, Woodley, I would like to win. I, I think Paul's, you know, probably a dangerous guy. But, you know, Woodley might get beat up a little bit, but I think he's going to win. I think Woodley is going to win because Woodley only shies in the corner with guys that he thinks can take him down. Right. If you look at as far back as Rory McDonald, right? He he never got off because he knows Rory can can take him down. Kobe Covington, same thing. Bashful. Uh, Kamara Usman, um, Gilbert Burns, like all of his key losses. And you've never seen anyone hit him hard enough to knock him out. The last time you saw that, that was Nate Marquardt, and that was a combination of things. The knee to the body is always going to be harder than the shot to the body, okay? Knees to the head, you know, right? What, three? I don't know the signs behind that, but five times more, whatever, and this and that. So, yep. Guys, that's, that concludes a quick question. So now before we go. I just want to say something really quick. If I compliment somebody, it's not a slap in the face to the other. Like we made a com- comparison last week between who's who's the better player to come out of USC between Tina Gordina and Kelly Clays or whatever. And, and because and I only got the question because everyone kept asking me, was it Sarah Hughes or Kelly Clays, right? And I'm like, what about this girl? These are fun things to talk about. So my praise for someone else, one person, is not a disrespect to everybody else, okay? And I have to say that to my volleyball personalities because next to NBA stars, you are the least, the most sensitive cats on the face of the planet. So uh, get over it. Man up, you know? Um, on this day... Johnny Bench, Hank Aaron, Roberto Clemente, Reggie Jackson, Frank Robertson, and Harmon Kilbrew. Killebrew hit home runs in the All-Star game at Tiger Stadium. The score was 6-4 and like seven seven of those 10 points were home runs. So, or, or seven of those or whatever. Who was pitching? My goodness. Yeah, well, yeah, All-Star game. I mean, yeah, God, when you got the lineup, man, you got the cleanup guy hitting That's ninth true. in the lineup. The pitchers must be scared to death. <laughs> Um, six also, to four, that's not bad. Also on this day, 1994, O.J. Simpson was officially charged with the brutal um, murder of Anna Nicole Simpson and and Goldman. I, I don't know. I don't know the first time. I, I think it was Ron, maybe Ronald Goldman, or maybe that was the father. Um, also on this day, Nolan Ryan um, lost a note. It was Nolan Ryan and who else was it? Sorry, I, th- I thought I had it. It doesn't matter. Nolan Ryan lost a, a no-hit bid in the ninth inning. Him and another pitcher, I think, were playing, uh, pitching against each other, and they they were both holding a no-hitter to the ninth inning, and they both lost it. So, <laughs> Just a little tidbit about in this day in sports, but 
I'm really, really, man, I love this sports debate and I love talking about some of these subjects, you know, and I know, I know sometimes we got to talk about volleyball, but when it's interesting, you got to, you can't avoid it. Um, no. I guess by the time we get, we get to our next episode, Rob, we're not going to, um, we'll have an NBA champ. We'll have an Olympic gold medalist and all of, all of the wheelhouses we follow all be a basketball, enduring beach volleyball. Um, and it's going to be fun, man. Guys, we're, we're going to be gone for a couple of weeks. We're going to New York. We're going to Atlantic City. We got work and play. Um, but before we go, Rob has something to say before we leave. Stay happy, stay healthy, y'all. Stay happy, stay healthy, says Rob. Keep it McLean, McLean. And for me, I guess, yeah, okay, yeah, be happy, be healthy. Uh, I, yeah, I guess I like you too, okay? Fine, we're out of here. For all of you at home, for all of you on your iPad, for all of you on your iPhone or Droid, for all of you on your desktop, for Rob, keep it McLean, McLean. This is episode 69 of Sports Debate Tuesday. See you guys in a bit, man. We love you to pieces. Peace out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.